Welcome to this week's edition of Riff Raff News and this week we'll be having a look at the need for over 50s to get on their bikes and help out Deliveroo. And the broader picture of labour shortages in the UK market. So Sean, uh, we're just picking up on a story from last week as it's remained topical over the weekend and we saw the Work and Pensions Secretary Mel Stride call for Mm. the over 50s to consider delivering takeaways and other flexible jobs which we would normally associate with younger people okay yes yeah do we fit Um, into this category i think we we do do, yeah we do i'm afraid yeah we do yeah yeah. that's if um they want to maintain their lifestyle that was the gist he urged us oldies to consider these types of jobs if our finances were stretched uh i.e they're not just for the young okay yes yeah equally equally other side of the coin he urged employers to give the over 50s a chance and maybe give them a little bit more flexibility than mm. other workers just to entice us back uh, and of course the problem as we well know is that since the pandemic there's been a sharp increase in economic inactivity so that's people who are not working or not looking for work who mm. otherwise could do and um we love a league table. We've slipped from 7th seventh, <laughs> seventh, uh, to 15th for Labour partic- participation rates in OECD countries. So that's quite a drop. Yeah. That's quite a drop, which I found quite interesting. So the oldies are getting a little bit more, um, you know, relaxed about doing anything in their, in their old age. That's effectively, well, over 50 is effectively, they're saying... Well, you know, yeah. They've tasted the the freedom of not having not being in harness i think the bank used to say didn't they it's like an old dray horse sort of pulling along um and and tasted the freedom of of not having to work and a lot of them have said no you know i'm quite like that really i'm not um, Mm. not in a rush to get back to doing anything no well it's it's a problem though because about eight and a half million adults which is one in five in the country are considered economically inactive, that phrase again. That's according Mm. to ONS, other stats bodies publish similar figures. And more than 3.4 million of those are over 50, but under retirement age, which they count as under 64 years or younger, if that makes sense. Mm. Or put another way, 26.5% of 50 to 64-year-olds. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you can throw stats around, but broadly speaking, there's a lot of over 50s who could work who are not. Um, there's also been an increase in early retirement. And I thought about this. It's not a surprise. This is partly because baby boomers were the lucky ones with mm. good pensions, a lot of them on final salary pension schemes, which means that even if you weren't in a mega, mega well paid job, you can still retire quite comfortably Mm. Uh, and of course a lot of uh, these people would have bought their properties when property prices were much lower Mm. so they'll either have either very low or no mortgages so the need to work is reduced Um, there's also as no doubt we'll talk about later in addition to these people who could work who are not there's also a problem that two and a half million people are not working because of uh, long-term sickness 
Uh, not so many of the over 50s in that, about 200,000 over 50s are in that lot. Uh, but but that number, this I really fell off my chair when I looked at this one, is 64% increase since the pandemic. Mm. So, 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 so why, mm. why do you think that is then? Why do you think these people have suddenly decided that, you know, I've, uh, I've had enough, I don't really want to engage anymore? Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to retire early, or I'm, in, in some cases, not. You know, not I genuinely, th- I, I actually, when I was when I was thinking about this, uh, I and, and listening to people uh, at social gatherings that, funnily enough, you and I were at one last week, and and a couple of others I went to in the last couple of weeks, people who have retired, I wouldn't say early, but a little bit earlier than they could have done. Mm. they've genuinely made that value assessment where they've said well I've got a little of a bit of a pension behind me it's not financial suicide I don't have too much in the way of debts now and I could go on and earn a few more quid Mm. but without being a burden on anyone on the state or anyone I can at least have my next sort of 20 years uh to, uh, free of, of work responsibilities and be able to do what I want to do mm. um, uh, and so I think I think it's it's probably the sort of affluence of that generation driving this other than any sinister I'm lazy I don't want mm. to do my bit but uh, it, it is a problem of course because um, notwithstanding the fact that over 50s with pensions and low or no mortgages can generate a lot of economic activity mm. uh, it won't be as much into if, if they were working with you know taxes and so forth so um it, it is a problem but that that's my assessment what do you think well yeah yeah i agree i mean there's a lot of factors that feed into this aren't there and the the the, the that's um one of the solutions to the problem is to try and encourage uh, the fifties the to sixty four, sixty five year olds back into the economy. Um, I got some. Yeah, I've been looking at some figures from the Office oh, of National Statistics yeah. as well, and they uh, in November twenty twenty two they did a survey, and thirteen point three percent of businesses reported experiencing a shortage of workers. This is the broader base, not just the older okay. workers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Um, and the percentage of businesses experiencing a shortage of workers has been between 12.9% and 15.4% since October 2021. Okay. So it's quite long-standing. Um, the percentage, the highest percentage of working worker shortages were in accommodation and food services, 35.5%. I mean, that's huge, isn't it? A so third. what else? Hotels, restaurants? Yeah, hospitality, yeah, effectively. Hospital, yeah, okay. Yeah. And construction, 20.7%. So a fifth down construction workers on, on, on where they were um, okay. prior to to um, to the pandemic. Um, between We're looking at figures that are a little bit historic, but between September and, and November 2022... There were 1.19 million vacancies in the UK, which equated to the number of people that were unemployed. But clearly, uh, all those people who are unemployed are not going to be returning to work and they're not going to slot easily necessarily into the jobs that are available. 
Um, it, 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 and, and there's a lot of talk as well, isn't there, about the, this is in the broader sense, the impact of, of Brexit. And again, it's the same ONS survey that, uh, that surveyed businesses about how they thought that Brexit had affected their labour shortages. Uh, almost half in the transport and storage sector, 46% effectively of businesses cited it, as did over a third in administration, 40%, 39% in education and 36% in arts and recreation. So um, for, for, for whatever might be said by by Mr. Farage and these people. This this has had a huge impact on certain sectors within our economy, and now, of course, we're we're desperate to try and plug that gap. And I think that's where these initiatives are coming from. You know, the Mr. Stride and uh, trying to get. And, and I know we've we have had. Obviously, you've got the figures in terms of those people who've, who've taken early retirement or decided to pull out mm. of the labour market altogether. Mm. That's not helped, but I think it's a combination of these factors, isn't it, that's left us in this position that we are today? Well, it, well, it, it is, and it, it is a problem, isn't it? I was, I was thinking, well, what are the problems of, of the effectively the workforce shrinking? Well, there's the obvious mm. one, which you've mentioned, is employers can't get the people to do the work. Second mm. one is technically older people might be struggling financially, especially if they've still got a mortgage or rent. Um, some of these people are on benefits, so you've got the double whammy and they're not mm. working and they're drawing on the public purse. But more sort of high level, it's just a waste of resource, isn't it? You've got experienced over 50s or two and a half million people on, on sick leave who can offer something, and it's just a waste waste of resource. Well, that, that that's true. But is there a, is there a? I mean, take yourself for example. Yep. We're looking at is there a match between the shortages in the economy and the skills and resources you can provide? Um, probably, in, probably. I mean, yeah. I, I I could I could obviously do probably a a relatively simple job. I, I might not be the best at it, but. I could go and work in the hospitality industry mm. uh, or something, but but for the for the reward, mm. uh, and because most of that is at the minimum wage or slightly more, mm. for the reward and the impact on um, on on the pension I'm getting, it's not worth it. No, because because no. Uh, first of all, the reward's not very much, and obviously I'd pay tax and national insurance on it. It's, yeah. it's just not worth it. And, and, there, uh, and thereby hangs the problem, isn't it? The major problem that the Mr Stride has got with this initiative is that most of those people who are self-financing have chosen to step out of the labour market. I would, I would conject that they are people who are on, as you say, final salary pension schemes, people who've made provision during their life from, for quite well-paid jobs to allow them to get yeah. to where they are now. Yes. And, and they're not going to come back into the labour market to deliver pizzas, which is, you know, what I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not being. That's why they're generally younger people's jobs, isn't it? Yes. I mean, quite aside from the fact, if I were delivering a pizza, your your pizza would be cold for the time I arrives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we we're slightly different because 
our retirement because we work for banks and um, public sector our retirement was always geared towards 60 wasn't it mm. that that was the magic age and we're listeners might know but we're both beyond that a little bit um, so maybe maybe we're not the target market here I always I always do th- it's worth saying that uh, over 50s aren't stupid if no, they no. know their um, finances are stretched they'll go back to work won't they mm, and, and this was illustrated because funnily enough he was Mr Stride was at Deliver- Deliveroo's HQ in London yeah and the company itself had seen a 62% increase in riders that's what they call them aged 50 since 2021 so people are already mm. making that decision I need to earn a few more quid but I quite like I don't want to be really constrained and as, as I understand it with Deliveroo and similar companies you literally log on when you want to when you want to earn a few quid so there's absolutely yeah. no strings whatsoever um, but in case you're wondering uh, you know what do I do you can always take the government's uh, midlife MOT right and 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 what does that entail then well um, I had a look at it because I thought well look um, it, it's 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 worth seeing what it does it's it's not a one-stop shop because um, it looks at three different things it looks at work options your health mm. and your money through online self-help tools and because i was expecting it to be sort of one site fill in a few questions and see what comes up it wasn't like that it kept sending you off to say for health as you'd expect the nhs for work some sort of work and pension site so Mm. it was all right but i i don't think it's a game changer uh mind you what having said that they do a they do a good what is your heart age so you put in put in some vital statistics uh, and it tells you whether your heart age is, matches your age or is above or below. I thought that was quite useful. And does that does that help you in terms of what returning to work then? In no, but of, it mean, means uh, that you might want to have a look at, um, you might be better off delivering the pizzas than consuming them. <laughs> I think that was the gist. That was the well, gist. But uh, so, you know, it wasn't, it didn't do it for me. It may do it for other people, but no. at least it's a thing. So, you know, I think it's difficult. I think, I actually think, without being complacent, I think this problem will subside over time as mm. more and more over 50s at least realise they've got to go back into the workforce. And of course, as each month goes by, uh, you've got the over 50s who are becoming over 50s probably not mm. even thinking of leaving the workforce because of inflation. Yeah. See, mm. I, I have a... Um, there's two two other points I'd like to make here that I have a... Um, a bit of a problem with me if, because we we look and generally conservative way of looking at things is that we look at the market to supply and I don't necessarily disagree with that now of course when we were uh, within the European Union we had a with effectively wages going up on this side of the channel yeah. it would have attracted more people from Eastern European countries to come yeah, and fill oh, yeah. these vacancies well, it did, didn't it? Yeah, so so we've we've got that that shortage there, which is sustained because we haven't got that flexibility in our in our labour market that we had before we made that decision. On top of that, and I had this problem because, as you know, I used to work for the 
DWP at one point. I had this problem when I was there that these people who are considered to be, and you used the phrase earlier, economically inactive. Yes. And and we've had this conversation about you and I and that we're not we don't consider ourselves economically inactive in that we're we're still contributing towards yeah. the economy, paying VAT, paying road tax, we're buying things. So we're very economically active in that yeah. sense. We're not without we're not, drawing a penny. Without drawing anything off of the state, yeah. exactly. But on top of that, the, the the people that you've got who have withdrawn from taking part in what people would consider to be normal paid labour, they're a lot of these people take part in the voluntary sector. They keep our libraries running. They visit people in hospitals. They do meals on wheels. They run soup kitchens. They're, they're, a lot of them are very active within the economy, mm. filling roles that otherwise would have to be paid for by the state. And when I when I worked at the DWP, they don't the the government don't value those roles at all. I think there ought to be some sort of um, measure of what you do for your community, for what you do for the country as a whole, how you help your fellow man, which isn't necessarily... Everything doesn't boil down to money, although you could give it a monetary value if you wanted to, to work out how much these people... Are. So we need we need to look at things in, a, in broader terms, I think, than other than just saying they're economically inactive because that does give you a yeah. slanted picture doesn't it yeah well yeah there's i think our conversation is is covering a lot of ground i think what this does show you uh, there's definitely an issue no question about that i'm i'm having faith a little bit more than you maybe in that the market will naturally solve this uh, i think it'll take two or three years to wash out Mm. But I think we will find that things get back to inverted commas normal once the hiatus from the panic, pan panic, the pandemic, mm. uh, and also the mental health hits from the pandemic start to wash out. Uh, I'm not suggesting we'll keep an eye on it every week for the next three years, but we will keep an eye on it. So um, never let it be said that we don't keep up to the minute on this pod because yep. this is breaking news as we speak. In fact, yep. I think the first the first people have stepped onto this. It's um, You'll have heard of the Bibby Stockholm. I think we've oh, discussed yes. it before. Yeah, we? we have, yes. On, on this pod. It's moored in Portland Bay, lovely okay. area of the world. Have you been to Portland and Wales? I haven't, but I did see it being moored in Falmouth when I was on holiday there. So Did you? I know what it looks. I know what it uh, looks like. Crikey! And what, what does it look like then? What's it? Um... Um, as somebody said, uh, it looks like a huge Lego block, uh, in that it's sort of rectangular yeah. in shape. It's got three stories, and it's weird. It's like grey and red. Oh. oh. So it, it looks like a, a Lego block or a Lego house. Right. Mm. So it's been it's been obviously been towed along the coast from Falmouth, yes, to Portland in Dorset, which is yes. um, for those people who don't know the geography, Portland Bay is just around the corner from Weymouth, so yes. it's almost on the same stretch of of the south coast, um, and it's been moored there, and the government's plan is to house five hundred asylum seekers, uh, illegal immigrants, whatever we you know whatever the the parlance is whichever side of the argument you you take 
Um, but there have been some problems with regard to fire concerns. The, mm. uh, this particular vessel has only in the past... It's got 222 bedrooms, I think, we've That's established. Right. Exactly uh, that. And in the past, uh, they've been single bedrooms uh, for, for one person, and it's only really been tested in terms of fire regulations in other parts of Europe up to that level. Um, and the government now, having done some work on it, not the government themselves, but having had some work done on it, are now anticipating 500 men being housed on, on the Bibby Stockholm. They've had problems with the local fire brigade. Uh, they've accused the local fire brigade of using it as a political weapon uh, in terms of uh, the, the unions and what have you. Um, but they've now put on board the first 50 men who've gone on board today. Um, clearly, they'll be hoping that in the next few weeks they'll be able to overcome those fire concerns. I think you, you were talking when we were off air regarding the, the number of um, fire exits or exits there are on this. Yeah, well, lesson. it's difficult to say, but um, helpfully, Bibby Maritime Limited, who owned mm. the thing, they have a two-page PDF uh, available oh. for anyone to have a look at mm. uh, uh, where they describe the 222 cabins, 506 guests, as they call it, they describe it as a high-quality uh, rooms with ensuite bedrooms. Uh, it's sort of thing that you know anyone familiar with university uh, rooms. Uh, it looks like a university room, mm. uh, but it's ensuite, which I wasn't expecting. So that's all right. It's got three decks, mm. and the exits, as you'd expect, a bit like a hotel, appear to be on the ground floor. And I'm I'm, I'm looking at the plans now, which look like architects' drawings. And there appear to be two exits and then two other doors which have got X's on them, so it's not clear what they are. Uh, so presumably to leave the vessel, if you were on the top floor, you'd have to get down to the bottom floor and then join everyone else mm. in a scramble for the way out, unless you could smash the windows and jump out into yeah. the sea. Which I think is possible. Mm. I mean, I'm not an expert on heights looking at this thing. No, no. But but it it it, it would, uh, uh, and obviously you wouldn't want to exit a building that way. But uh, I can see why the fire risk has caused some issue. Mm. Be interesting to see how that pans out, though, won't it, over the next few weeks, and see what um yes. what the fire brigade say say in that regard. So um, I, I've got some figures here because we we like a few questions don't we on yes. this pod so I, i've been looking into the costs of um of uh not the leasing of the bibby stockholm because right. the government haven't released those figures okay. strangely enough but they have released the figures for maintaining the bibby okay. stockholm so we're looking at um health provision because they've got a, a dentist and a doctor on board there as Oh, that's you good. would have, yeah. I guess yeah, that's, that's to prevent putting extra strain on the on the, yeah. on the local infrastructure. Yeah. Um, they've got catering facilities, and they've also got twenty four seven security. So, mm. um, how much do you think that that would cost per day? Okay, is this for all five hundred or for fifty or? Well, well, I think the figure that they quoted was for the five hundred, but I think once you've got the catering facilities and the 
and the healthcare provisions and what have you, you've got a fixed figure there. I don't think, I don't think from what I can tell that you're going to be able to say because mm. we've only got fifty there. We're going to take it down to a tenth because. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, on the whole, the whole idea of this was to reduce the costs of hotels, right? Mm. So, let me assume that we're paying at least a hundred quid a night for a hotel. So you'd want to per capita reduce it to let's say fifty pounds per mm-hmm. person per day night. Which are, so I'm going to say five hundred times fifty. So that's five thousand times five twenty five thousand pound a night so she twenty thousand pounds oh, right. a night not that, far off that's what it's saying but um okay that that would be yeah that's for the the 500 but that's without the cost of the leasing Lease. of the vessel which which we don't know how much that that costs oh, right. all they would say about that is that it's um uh to quote significantly cheaper than hotels yeah. Which um, it, it I always um, I'm always a bit dubious when people won't release the the actual figures because you you one should know really what the direct comparison is really between how much it's costing to put people into hotels. You could probably submit a freedom of information. Yeah, yeah. I wonder whether. Yeah, I think this will probably all come to the fore over the next few weeks because I would yeah. have thought they'll be asking in whether it comes on question time on Wednesday. Yeah. Or later, I would imagine the the opposition will want to know how much the yeah. I mean, cost wise, you've got as you say the running costs and the lease costs. Then mm. you've got the insurance costs. I suppose that would be down to the owner. But then you've obviously got the cost of the refit because mm. they've had to double capacity. So that's not going to be cheap. No, no. Um, and and on on the broader picture. Do you do you feel again? We we had a very brief discussion. Do you feel that um, putting people up in the Bibby Stockholm will be a deterrent to no. uh, to, no. to, to to stop people I, coming across? Channel? I have to say that um, if you think about somebody's risked their life mm. coming across the channel in an inflatable, and the channel may look serene when you're on a massive ferry, but you can imagine even in calm on calm days how scary mm. it is. Um, I should think the prospect of then being in a a, a brandly new refurbished um, floating, I'm not going to say hotel, but a floating mm. dorm doesn't daunt anyone. No. Uh, no. In fact, you probably argue that it's nicer than some of the hotel accommodation, which may well be, you know, third, fourth tier hotels, mm. very run down. At least this is fresh. Mm. And... Uh, uh, they, are, they are, of course, allowed on and off it, so it's in a nice part of the world as well. Yeah, that's not bad at all, is it? Yeah, I'm not saying I'd want to be there, but no, no. I just can't see it in any way deterrent. I think it is what it is. It's just a lower-cost way of housing um, 500 migrants. So last year, I think the figure, if I remember rightly, was somewhere in the region of 40,000 people coming across them yeah. on these small boats. And, was, and, yeah. and this is yeah. 500. 500, yeah. So it, it's an... 80th is that right of of the yeah the it only makes any sense if um if we can increase the speed of throughput because mm. then it'll be you know if that reduced because because it's if forty thousand took a month to process mm. it, it we wouldn't have a problem it, you mm. wouldn't have a problem would you because no. it'd be that it, but it doesn't no. and so so that's why they're looking at these ex army bases which that that's causing problems isn't it some of these places are so old 
that they're having issues restoring enough water supply, heating supply, uh, and so forth. So it's it's a mess. So if these people can, you know, they continue to come over at the rate that they have been over the last few years, mm. um, we're going to be we're going to have a continuing problem in that we're it's, it's building rather than reducing in any in any. Uh, yes, we've had this agreement, haven't we, with Albania, which has seen a, a slight drop in the number mm. of figures of people coming from Albania across the channel. But in the greater scheme of things, it's not really had the uh, had the necessary effect, and the investment needs to go into processing, as you quite rightly say, the applications faster, turning it over faster, and either sending people back or giving them a right to stay, one way or the other. It's all a bit of a um, um, a bit of a, a smokescreen. All this, isn't it? I mean, it, it appears so. Mm. Moving on, because we, whilst we're talking about the immigration saga, there's also a story this week about um, if the Rwanda scheme is turned over by the courts, if it's kicked out, kicked into touch, mm. which is a possibility, um, a plan B is to send people to Ascension Island. Right. Do you, know, do you know of Ascension Island? Have you ever heard of that? I have heard of it, yeah. Um, those of us old enough to remember the Falklands War yeah. we'll remember that this is um, mid-Atlantic and yeah. it was a refuelling stop for the um, for the, 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 the bigger planes that went backwards and forwards between here yeah I remember it and, yeah. and the Falklands during Mrs T's time um, it's not there's not a lot there so I understand it's mostly military bases a couple of yeah. military bases and yeah. the, uh, quite um, temperate climate I think um a lot of rain. Um, you can grow bananas there. I think it's, as far as I'm aware, it's still a British protectorate. Okay. Um, so anybody who's sent there would still be under, will still be living under the auspices of the British government in British sovereign territory or on British sovereign territory. So I failed to see, in, uh, um, somebody no doubt enlightened me, as to the benefits of sending people to Ascension Island. But... Maybe, have you any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I did have a quick look. It's Right now, it's got 800 people on it. Mm. Uh, and there's, um, as you said, there's a, there's a US and there's a, a UK airbase there. So it's, it's of strategic importance. Mm. It's um, a volcanic island, so I think a lot of the island is covered with volcanic rock. So... Mm uninhabitable as you'd expect so it's probably a limited amount of space um and the main the capital i think is georgetown georgetown mm. uh, so so yeah i mean i i can see the sense in it uh, because it is it is a pretty temperate climate it's pretty consistent uh, around sort of 25 degrees mm. heavy rain in the spring or in our spring um but you could see that you could put temporary accommodation up in whatever form quite cheaply. Mm -hmm. And it's already got an RAF base there, so you can obviously fly people out there. So I could see how it would probably uh, be cheaper to house uh, migrants there whilst they're waiting mm. uh, for their claims to be processed than it would in a hotel. Um, and I suppose... <laughs> From a climate point of view, it's a nicer place to be, but there's obviously nothing to do there. So I think civil unrest would be quite an issue. 
because mm. you're going to have to think about what people are going to do for is it six months a year two years while they're waiting because there's probably nothing there and then the impact on local people and obviously the military there mm. i think we established didn't we the, the moment there's um there's 800 local yeah. people on, on the says. island yeah, yeah which um there'll be uh, well i suppose it depends upon how many people they're intent on sending there but if there was anything like the number that they're putting on the bibby stockholm then it would um double the the population of the island in a fell swoop wouldn't it really i would suspect it'd be more because mm. uh you're not constrained by square footage are you no uh, other no. than you know how much of the of the land is uh habitable uh and um what are the costs of um you know, erecting temporary accommodation be that um mm. i'm going to call them prefabricated buildings um even tents uh, i'm not sure no. uh, how how that would go is it certainly nicer to spend time in a tent an ascension island than it is in thanet in the, middle of the winter but, <laughs> but uh well, you haven't got nigel farage floating around for one thing we'll make that's it very helpful <laughs> yeah 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 he's too busy trying to get his bank account back i, but, I uh, yeah i'd be i the other thing i mean from um pragmatic point of view i i with with the Rwanda thing, whether one yeah. agrees with it or doesn't disagree with it, yep. you can see how passing the problem over to the government of Rwanda and giving them a certain amount of money for the problem to go away could be seen as attractive. But you're not doing that with Ascension Island. You're, you're keeping the problem. Uh, uh, awful to be able to talk about people in these terms, but you're keeping the immigration problem within British auspices yeah. you're just moving it further away around the world which is yeah. um, not got quite the same um, both economic and political benefits that, that the Rwanda thing had. Oh, the interesting thing is is if um, if A, Rwanda came came off want a better expression B, Ascension Island came off mm. either of them uh, the interesting thing given having heard the Labour Party's policy yesterday so would they keep that strategy? Yeah, I, I think they've said they would keep the um, the Bibby Stockholm strategy, yeah, yeah, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, as to whether they'd keep the Rwanda or, or Ascension Island strategy is something that remains to be seen. But this is where the politics of it is, isn't it, at the moment? Is so the Conservatives want to be seen to doing these perceived right-wing things mm. so as to force Labour to say whether or they will or will not to either um, encourage a point of difference or disgust traditional Labour voters. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, if I were... I mean, this is a bigger question we could discuss on another pod because we've had this discussion with regard to if, if, if I were Rishi Sunak. But if I were Keir Starmer, would be an interesting pod we could discuss, isn't it, as to how you'd approach some of these bigger issues coming up to the next general election. Um, but uh, I'll just on this particular issue, if if I were him, I'd be looking at suggesting that if we put enough money into the administration of these schemes and got enough people behind desks processing applications that we could narrow the problem down a lot quicker than these gimmick outcomes in terms of flying people halfway around the world and still not resolving the problem. 
um, because I think as we've established, however many Bibby Stockholms you build or convert or however many people you fly off to Rwanda or Ascension Island, you've got 40,000 <laughs> um, coming in each year and you've got a couple of thousand being flown off to these different places. I don't yeah, think it doesn't, it doesn't no. make sense. No, it doesn't. No. But we'll um, we'll keep our eye on that and, and see what happens this week, actually, see how it goes. In case you missed it, Guy, um, we've we've had more news on the rumble in Silicon Valley. I don't know whether you remember <laughs> that story. I do, yes, I do remember it well. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Zuckerberg, um, he of Meta, um, has been um, ribbing Mr. Musk because... Um, so the story goes, they set a date of the 26th of August for their cage match. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Zuckerberg says that Mr. Musk has yet to confirm. Um, and it's supposedly going to be streamed live on X, which I think, which is what we have to call it now, isn't it? X, because it's not Twitter anymore. Not Twitter anymore, no. No. Um, if, it, if it does happen, the proceeds are being donated to a veterans charity in the states which is very uh, very noble and a worthy cause but it got me to thinking actually about um, mm. be quite nice really if we could resolve a lot of high level world issues with a cage match um, yes and i was i was thinking a few sprung to mind that i was thinking of the the um uh, trump versus biden oh, presidential election what do you yeah. Th- yeah. Who do you think um, in that particular issue? Who, oh. would, who would win that? Well, game? you'd say you'd say Biden is the lighter of the two, and might be able to sort of, you know, manoeuvre himself better. But the trouble is, he'd keep falling over, wouldn't he? So I, I think I think Trump might land one on him, and that'll be uh, good night, Charlie. I think yeah. I think, I think Trump's got the bulk, hasn't yeah. he? Really, there. Yeah, he has, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I don't think um, I don't see Biden no. as a, like a Muhammad Ali character. So no. If, um, uh, and obviously, on this side of the channel. Um, this side of the channel, this side of the pond, pond uh, yeah. Sunak versus Starmer yes. would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Um, well, I, I think my... I mean, Sakir, he's quite stocky, isn't he? He always mm. tries to be quite stocky. Um, and obviously, Rishi is, is quite slight. But Rishi, he's, he's into his healthy living, isn't he? He does his, um, what do they call it, peloton. Oh, is he? um, he's a peloton man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's that. got his gym, hasn't he, in his house? Yeah. yeah. And and he's is that the house in, in North Yorkshire, the one with the well, it, with I the don't black know. Curtains. Is that the, the black curtains? Yeah, <laughs> could be that one. Uh, so I think what would happen is, as long as he avoids the sort of right right cross haymaker from um, Sakir, <laughs> I think he could probably puff Sakir out. And he would win by a submission. Do you think? You think that's yes. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. I think so. I can see him. I can see uh, 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 Rishi in his um, in his suit. You know, the one with the short trousers, with with, yes. his, with the I, with the sort of coloured striped socks, dancing around and like a almost like a bee irritating Sakir and so. Okay. And as yeah. you quite rightly say, puffing Sakir. Sakir's face getting more and more red as 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 the bout went on. Um, yeah, it might be quite. A, but then you'd only have to get, as you quite rightly said, you'd only have to get 
Sakir one him to get one hit yeah. or one swat on on Rishi and 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 he could be yeah a knockout. What about Putin and Zelensky? We were oh my at. goodness me! You know. Well, isn't um, Vladimir? He's uh, isn't he a judo? He's black belt. A black he? belt. Yeah. So I'd fancy because um, Zelensky's a, he's an actor, isn't he? Mm. So I'd fancy Vlad, Vladimir in that one. Do you think? Do you think yeah. he's? I mean, he was because he did all the the business with the bare chest and riding horses and he, ice he hockey did. player. And my, yeah. I wonder whether he's quite as quite as virile and as as um, as fit as he once was. Vlad. Well, age might come into it because what's Zelensky mm. in his fifties? I think 40s, so. The most in his fifties, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's quite a young man, relatively speaking. I think. And then last on my list, and I don't know whether you can think of any others, but last on my list was um, assuming that um, uh, one of them, after the after the presidential election, Biden or Trump versus um, versus G, who's you know, obviously the ah. yeah, G, yeah. Now, what would you think about that? Because initially, I thought I had visions of G in like a. I realise he's not Japanese, but in one of those big. You know the the loincloth things. Sumo, sumo wrestler. Yeah, but he's not. I think that'd be a draw. I think? think I think they'd lock onto each other, <laughs> and I, I think uh, I think they just sort of they 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 just stall it. We're talking about Trump and G now, aren't we? They they just yeah, well, if it was Trump, yeah, I think they'd sort of do one of those. Yeah, you know, I love like boxers do get yeah. it to a clinch, and um, yeah. yeah. Okay, Sean. Well, um, I, I, I'm wondering if you've been following the Edinburgh Fringe. I love the Edinburgh Fringe, but I haven't. I know I haven't seen much of it this year, no. if I'm honest. Well, I, I, I say what caught my eye. There's been quite a lot of coverage about a young woman who's called Georgie Greer, mm. whose one-man show pulled an audience of one. Oh dear! Uh, and this was at the Fringe last week, and she posted her despair on X, Twitter, in other words. Mm. And less than twenty-four hours later, she had a post and video back from quite a few people, including Jason, um, uh, the comedian Jason Manford. Manford, Jason Manford yes, Manford, yeah. yeah, which is really nice because he, I've, I've watched it, and he recounted his experience when he's had one or fewer people <laughs> turn up. <laughs> Um, and a couple of other big names in there as well. And since then, uh, not a surprise, she's been sold out. So I thought, well, first of all, well done, Georgie, for keeping going. Mm. Uh, but the question, question I wanted to ask you is, have you ever hosted a do of any sort and mm. had a low or no turnout or been at a do and had a low or no turnout, a fail, so yeah. to speak? Well, I was can trying you, to. Can you yeah. remember anything? Well, I was trying to think of something because, as you know, mm. I was saying earlier, and and something sprung to mind that um, a friend of ours, well, there was two or three of us back in the um, back in the eighties. <laughs> um, we we. Um, well, I don't know where this is going. Do you? I, I wonder, <laughs> yeah. We um, we ran a disco in in Brighton. Um, uh, night fever. The the, the disco yeah, was. Yeah, night fever. Yeah, and white, we, um, white suit. Yeah, yeah white, and we we ran this this disco to try well i think we saw ourselves as, as entrepreneurs of the uh, yeah. of the branson style um and we took over this disco for three nights um and um we were handing out posters and we were giving people 
cheap tickets and cheap drinks and 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 it was a disaster really relatively oh. speaking hardly anybody turned up and we were sat there all night twiddling our thumbs and the the owners of this particular nightclub weren't terribly impressed either because they'd employed bar staff for the night um, and we were going to take the the tickets on the door and uh, yeah we probably had about a dozen people through the door over the three nights which was oh. not very impressive but I, I do I, maybe this is a story you're thinking of I can remember and this isn't this isn't to say that nobody turned up but this is back to our our best thespian days um, um, and when we both used to be in the boys brigade do you remember? oh yes and um Again, this probably would, this would it would have been in the seventies. Uh, once a year, the the great and the good from the um, from the brigade from all over the world got together for the brigade conference. I think it was called, wasn't it? The brigade conference. Or the, bring it to Brighton. And bring it to Brighton. It was on yeah. on this particular case, and we did bring it to Brighton, and we we put on this this big show at the Dome. Anybody who knows Brighton knows, yeah, yeah. and. Um, we, you and I got. We we had a um, uh, a, a role in a in a fake cricket match, but yes. we all we all had to get made up to the it nines, was terrible. and it was dreadful. It was absolutely, but it wasn't empty because everybody was press gang coming in and watching. It. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, <laughs> let's put it this way: it wasn't empty when we started. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it was um, yeah. We were playing an imaginary game of cricket without a ball. Um, and it's as exciting as it sounds, I think, for the audience. But those are the only ones that I can... Can you think of any in your... Well, the, un- the only thing that sprung to mind for me was, as you know, I did a lot of contracting in, in my career, and um, there was one particular event. You always had a leaving do at the end of it, which always felt mm. a bit weird, because you you're only there for six to nine months, but in those days it was any excuse for a beer or two <laughs> from the team. And... Uh, and, and this is it was up in Newcastle actually and it was um, and, and they oh, good God if anyone anyone's ever tried to drink with the Geordies they'll, they'll know that it's, dang, <laughs> it's dangerous but anyway it was like oh we'll do this, this. and um, and then we all met at the pub this local pub in Gosforth which is where um, where uh, Greg's was founded oh. and, which is neither in nor there but I just mentioned that we didn't have a Greg's but we were in the pub mm. and and uh, there was really good sort of 20, 30 people there to start with, but not bad because this team wasn't huge and we were having a great time. And then all of a sudden, about uh, sort of sort of half past seven, everyone disappeared. <laughs> 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 all the best guys. And of course, what I hadn't realised is Newcastle were playing. <laughs> so every, everyone either went to the game or uh, went to their tellies or radios or whatever. So uh, I, I guess the lesson in life for me is that you, you might like to think you're important, but you're never as important <laughs> as Newcastle United. Oh, we? bless. Bless the yeah. old magpies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Um, and I suppose we could end this week, couldn't we, on um, on on another piece of breaking news this week, and that's... Um, Liz Truss's parting shot. You remember her? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, she's she's about Trussonomics. She's the one. Absolutely. She's um uh, just released, although we haven't been made aware of the 
the total number on, but she's just released um, her her resignation honours list. You wouldn't have thought she'd have been in office long enough to have resignation honours list, no. would you? It's a bit cheeky. But apparently there are 14 people on there oh, um, really? who are in line for, for gongs of one sort or another. Um, four life peerages. So she's, she's putting four people into the into the House of Lords. I mean, yeah, well, they're short short of a few people, aren't they? Well, the they've <laughs> only got 777. Well, yeah. How much did we establish they get paid? Are they 300 and something? 300 pounds expenses. Yeah, to, just for... Well, they can clock in and clock out, can't they, effectively? Yeah. So, so she's... Yeah, she's do you know, it's the largest legislator in the world, apart from uh, the Chinese... No, I didn't know that. Uh, what's the Chinese thing called? Oh, yeah, the uh, yeah, no, they only meet I, once every four years or something. But have you they? ever seen how many of them yeah. up there are? That, <laughs> but it's, ours is the second in line to that, the is House it? of Lords. Crikey, goodness me. What a, yeah, and she's putting four extra on, on top. Excellent. We don't know who they are. And and there's also going to be a load, uh, a few more knights, uh, a dame... Some OBEs, CBEs, and MBEs dotted around. They're all so. If the speculation is true, allegedly, um, they're all going to be people who either have contributed to her success in government, yeah. or or are are massive contributors towards the um, Conservative Party coffers. Right. So there's not there's not many people who one would look at and say it's for services to the poor or what have you, they're all fairly... Um, Will it include Nadine Doris? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Will it include Nadine? I mean, she Just she's saying. still there, isn't she? Even though she's been told yeah. by a local council it's time you slung you up, Nadine, yeah, she's hanging you. on. One wonders. Have you have you got information on that? That, that uh, no, no. I just thought it might be a way of her getting the honour that uh, she mm. uh, so uh, believes she richly deserves. Was she in? Uh, I can't remember now. Wasn't the dean in in Liz's cabinet? I know she was I don't in think Boris's. So, yeah, because she would have been. No, I don't think she was. Because she was a, would have been a a rival, wouldn't she? Uh, yeah. In the uh, no, I don't think so. No, so maybe I don't. Yeah, be interesting to see who's who's there. Um, and, well, I've and got an idea. I've got an idea. Mm. Uh, I think that all these honours should last for as long as the person was in office. That's a good idea. Yeah. So appoint them all. Yeah. Uh, but after forty-five days, they go up back to normal. Yeah. That's a good idea. How about yeah. that? Yeah, so they can make a, they can come into the house for yeah, yeah a few weeks and yeah. then yeah and then be unless off. you've done ten years and then it's fine. Mm. Two terms, in other words. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we've talked about this. I think the whole thing is an utter disgrace, mm. and this just makes it look even worse. And I'm surprised that um, Liz Trust didn't have the good grace to say. You know, as much as I'd love to yeah. thank people and honour people, I yeah. do think it's disproportionate given I was only in office for a short period of time. Mm. That would have, in my opinion, lifted her up a couple of notches because mm. mm. uh, that would have been some sort of humility 
uh, instead of quite the opposite. Well, it wouldn't do. It wouldn't do. Um, it wouldn't do Sunak any harm to stamp on it, would it really, and say this isn't going to happen? But um, I don't. They, they dodge it, don't they? They yeah. say, oh, that's the job of the. I've forgotten what the committee's called, but the, yeah. the honours committee. Well, I suppose it's precedent, isn't it, in in terms of that process and precedent? And they're they're not going to stop yeah. it altogether. They no. might say, oh, we don't think this person's quite. No. Um, quite the ticket doesn't fit the bill you know doesn't belong to the uh, the club um but they're um they're not going to stop it altogether one person's name who supposedly isn't on the list and we're speculating to a degree is um quasi quarting um he's he's now whether he's decided that um he doesn't want anything to do with it or 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 whether she's not put him on her list in the first place, we don't know. Um, well, that's interesting because is is that form that chancellors are normally um, ennobled? I don't think necessarily, but I would have no. thought that um, because they were before the um, before the Quarting budget, they were two peas in a pod in their economic beliefs weren't they yeah you would have just looking that. back I'm just trying to think backwards we've had Lord Lamont Lord Lawson uh, Lawson um, yeah. obviously um, Brown Lord Brown although he was yeah. Prime Minister first I suppose Boris couldn't really make Sunak a Lord could he because no he was he kicked him out know, didn't he so he kicked him out yeah he was well he didn't Sunak resigned no, no, I mean the other way round. Sunak, oh, okay. Sunak effectively yeah. did everything he could to to kick Boris out. So I wouldn't have thought it that in in Amadin yeah. to. But to it Boris. is time, isn't it? I mean, whether Sakir will have the bandwidth in in many things, assuming he wins the election, mm. the many things he'll have to do, whether he'll have the energy to reform the Lords and the Honours system, I doubt it. It'll it'll be one of those things that he says he'll do in his second or third term, and then he'll never do it. Do, do you mean Starmer? Did you, you said Sakir. Sorry, yeah, didn't, didn't I say yeah. Sakir? Oh, yeah, Sakir. I did. Sorry, yeah. I did mean yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't mean the the new Labour uh, MP, the young, yeah. the other mini me. There's <laughs> another kid, Keir. Well, the other from. kid, the, yeah, he's nineteen, isn't he, or something? That, yeah, the, with, yeah, with a snapper. Yeah, I didn't mean him. <laughs> anyway, uh, the. Yeah, but it's it's a joke, isn't it? Well, An absolute joke. Well, we haven't, you know, they've not been announced yet, so there might be a letter in the post here. Who knows? Well, I hope so. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. And uh, yeah, so um, on that note, Sir Guy, um, mm-hmm. I'll um, I'll see you next week. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed Riff Raff News. Please leave some comments on the app or on our Facebook page. And uh, please subscribe and then episodes will drop automatically into your podcast feed.